You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. A review of hacktivist inspiration. The Brussels attacks were correlated with a rise in website defacements from ISIS sympathizers last month. Researchers find unpatched remote code execution flaws in the Git version shipped with Apple's Xcode command line development tools. Surfwatch spots and reports an infestation of a malware-for-rent Trojan. We look at some industry news, an IPO, some acquisitions and funding rounds, and new risk management offerings. And two old incidents return to the news, the hacking team and Ashley Madison breaches. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, April 20th, 2016. The terrorist strike against the Brussels airport had its expected effect on cyber attacks worldwide last month. Researchers at Cytegic and other companies have noticed a spike in ISIS-inspired hacktivist cyber attacks against targets in both Western Europe and North America. The good news is that most of this activity hasn't risen above the nuisance level customarily associated with ISIS hacking, and that nuisance has mostly been suffered by the sort of poorly defended targets of opportunity cyber jihadists have usually attacked. It's worth noting in this regard that even the annual hashtag Op Israel, a favorite of anonymous associated hacktivists, this year showed declining results. Much of this is due to Israeli preparation, but it does seem consistent with a generally shared low assessment of ISIS cyber-offensive capabilities. Information operations, of course, are quite another matter. There, ISIS has shown itself very capable. Developers take note there's a remote code execution vulnerability in the Git version Apple ships with its Xcode command line developer tools. Actually, there are two flaws, and both of them were publicly disclosed last month. CSO reports that while patched elsewhere, the bug remains in the command line developer tools. Presumably a patch is in the works, but there's no official word yet on when it will arrive. We've been watching the ongoing maturation of the criminal cyber market. One relatively recent development is malware as a service. Surfwatch says it's detected and stopped one such offering that appeared on the black market last month, a Trojan with the hybrid name Thanatos. Thanatos is actually a rental. The author, or at least controller, goes by the alias Alpha Leon. Seeking to increase the size of his botnet, Alpha Leon attacked websites and online forums hosted by Envision Power Services, or IPS. IPS hosts fully functional e-commerce sites as well as traditional online forums, and some of its customers are large businesses. Softpedia reports that these customers include Evernote, the NHL, the Warner Music Group, Bethesda Softworks, and Live Nation. 
SurfWatch detected Alpha Leon's activity and notified IPS, which was then able to close off the access point the hacker had been using. In industry news, SecureWorks' IPO is expected to receive its formal valuation tomorrow evening. Pre-IPO reviews have been running positive. Seeking Alpha, for example, is quite bullish on the offering, despite recent turbulence in cyber stock prices and the spotty performance of other high-profile IPOs. We'll know more tomorrow. The credit reporting company Experian is set to buy the Texas-based security firm CSID for a reported $360 million, according to the Austin Business Journal. Landesk has completed its acquisition of endpoint security shop AppSense. Venture capital firm Strategic Cyber Investments has placed its first big bet, $5 million in deception technology startup TrapX, which has closed a $14 million Series B round. Both CrowdStrike and FireEye have announced new service offerings. They're now offering to perform cyber risk assessments for mergers and acquisitions. Two older incidents return to the news. The first of these is last year's hacking team breach, which resurfaced earlier this week when the self-confessed or self-declared hacker Phineas Fisher posted a post-mortem on the hack. Analysts are drawing lessons from his account. Many of these lessons are familiar ones, but they're nonetheless worth reviewing. CSO's Salted Hash blog published a useful summary along these lines. First, minimize and harden your attack surface. Second, monitor and assess your networks. Firewalls and IPS can yield valuable indicators and warnings of an attempt on a network. Third, keep your systems patched and up to date. Phineas Fisher appears to have exploited a known vulnerability within Hacking Team's network management system. Fourth, segregate your networks and protect your backups. Keep operational and managerial networks separate. Fifth, protect and control privileged accounts. And finally, use data loss prevention solutions. A great deal of information was exfiltrated undetected during the hacking team breach. The other old story that's with us again is the Ashley Madison breach. Since few of our listeners, this being a family show, will have any particular acquaintance with Ashley Madison, suffice it to say that Ashley Madison is a kind of online bazaar for would-be adulterers. And we say adulterers advisedly because the site's in hot litigation water over its apparent, alleged practice of having used fictitious identities in order to goose the apparent number of ladies signed on to the service. Ashley Madison was breached last year, and many otherwise unembarrassed customers, because they were unnamed among the customer data lost, are feeling the fictitious identities done them wrong. So they've become plaintiffs, at least until a ruling, looked for in June, requires them to use their real names to sue. At that point, many plaintiffs are expected to back out. So whether it's June or May and September, our advice remains, straighten up and fly right. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps. 
upkeep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland, also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, I know one of your areas of research is searchable encryption. What can you tell us about that? Searchable encryption is a mechanism that allows a user to offload storage of their email to a third party, like a cloud provider, uh, and to do that in encrypted form so that the cloud provider can't read anything in emails, can't actually uh, learn any information whatsoever about the underlying emails. But the challenge is to ensure that even while doing that, the user is still able to search over their emails and, uh, and pull back emails that match some keyword, for example. So searchable encryption schemes provide exactly that kind of a functionality. All right. It sounds straightforward, but it's my understanding that this is not entirely without risk, correct? That's right. And in a recent paper of ours, we actually looked at current searchable encryption schemes and showed that even ones that were proven secure, uh, meaning that they leaked only some minimal amount of information, could be broken and the privacy could be violated just by exploiting exactly the information that they leak. So in particular, with these systems uh, guarantee that they leak nothing other than the fact that uh, the same email, say, might be returned in response to multiple queries. And we showed that by exploiting that and uh, additionally sending emails to the system with known content, the, uh, an attacker could actually ultimately figure out exactly what terms the user was searching for. So this really demonstrates the importance of understanding exactly what these cryptographic security definitions actually guarantee when used in the real world. You know, it reminds me at one of my former places of employment, we used encryption in our email, but it was frustrating because you could only search on message titles and, and uh, who the message was from. You couldn't actually search on the content of an individual message, which was quite limiting. So I guess searchable encryption would solve this problem for us? That's exactly right. So searchable encryption, I, I guess what you're using there is uh, not searchable encryption. And so what you're doing is encrypting the email and then storing it on some server. But then that exactly takes away any ability to search over the email because everything's encrypted. So searchable encryption schemes would uh, allow you to perform the encryption, but yet still enable you to do searches over that data. So they actually are, are you, as you can imagine, quite non-trivial to design. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. 
And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 